This is God's word. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done by my Father. It will be done for you, excuse me, by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. The word of the Lord. I invite you to pray with me. Our God of grace, as we approach this, um, this passage and this teaching today, we do so from all different places, needing the same thing. All of us need more grace than we realize or than we want to admit. We sometimes don't even know how to receive it or how to open our hearts up to it. Or, or you know, we long for the penny to drop and for it to truly sink in how much you love us. Would you do some of that work in our hearts today through this message? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's, it's a, not an accident that in my line of work, I get to see Jesus. A little bit of a weird thing to say. I see Jesus. I see Jesus in my line of work. But it's not an accident if I say that that's true, and I am saying that that's true. And it's not an accident because Jesus says, I'll just read the whole thing again. Truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. This is not a magic formula. Uh, it's not an incantation or a, uh, something that, you know, if you do it just right, and if you have you know, three people together, the next day you know, you're scratching your head and saying, we all prayed that I'd win the lottery. Why didn't it happen? Because you know, he'll do anything that we ask if a couple of us get together. The Bible's not about magic spells and formulas. or It's not a rule book. It's a story about God, and Jesus is saying, in this chapter of the story that we're in, because we're in the Jesus chapter, this chapter of the followers of Jesus on this planet, waiting for his return, he wants us to know something. He wants us, basically wants to say, hey, you want to meet me? Do you want to meet me? Then meet with others and draw your attention on me. That's it. It's a pretty astonishingly simple thing that he's saying to us. You want to meet me? Do you want to meet Jesus? Then get together with other people and focus on me, look to me, draw your attention to me, and I will be there. Um, as soon as I say that, the simplicity of that, Jesus wants us to know that's the direction to go for, for meeting him, knowing him, having him more in our life. As soon as I say that, I can hear someone saying, well, you know, someone wanting to say back, let me tell you my experience. I have been to many places where people are talking about Jesus, I have been to many places where people are praying in the name of Jesus. And let me tell you what I've experienced. I've experienced hurt, hypocrisy, judgment, um, sometimes just hate. And so someone sitting there saying, you know, the, the wick on the candle has almost completely stopped smoldering for me in terms of believing anything about this. Jesus is present. You don't know what I've been through. Wounds. That are, that are just scarred over, that seem impossible ever to heal because of what people who are 
getting together in the name of Jesus have done. And that's true. That's why I got a text message from someone this week, and I think that this issue is at the bottom of it. The text was about someone was driving, and they saw a road sign, and it was for a church, and it said the name of the church, said name of the church, and then it said a new church in town for people who don't do church. Now, ministers, we're very sinful people. We, you know, I see something like that, and I get all judgy, and I start picking it apart. But if I put that all aside, what, what do we learn from that? What's the content there that's, that we can draw from? Well, it's kind of like these people are saying, I think we're going to start a church. And then like the second half of the phrase is, not really sure we want to start a church. And you sense the internal, and I think the issue is what I just talked about, it because people know that there's a lot of hurt out there, there's a lot of woundedness, there's a lot of, you know, people's BS detector is up high in terms of people saying sanctimonious, pious things, and then not being loving and caring. And so we get the bumper sticker, which you've probably seen if you live in Northern California. Jesus, it's a prayer, Jesus, save me from your followers, <laughs> Right? Jesus, save me from your father. How do you deal with this? How do you deal with this fact that Jesus says, where I will be, where my followers are, where those people are, I will be there. I am there. And yet there's a whole bunch of us kind of drawing a line, and our, kind of culturally this is how we feel, We're drawing sort of a line. Jesus is okay, but, oh, religious people? Church people? Oh, no, no. What's going on with that? I don't propose to even have the answer. I just find it really interesting that that is a dilemma that, w- that we have kind of all around us. Jesus, cool, church, you know, the followers of Jesus, the people who get together about Jesus, oh, I don't know. What's going on with that? How can that, how can that truth be there in our culture and also the truth that Jesus says, I'm there? A little bit troubling, I guess. I, I think that this passage, what it's leading us to do is to just dial up our expectations on the presence of Jesus. I think that the only takeaway we can have as we look at this passage is very simple. Can we raise up our expectations of the presence of Jesus when we get together? Because I think that's one of the things that's suffering from people in the church and outside the church. Low expectations. Low expectations. Think about someone that you might end up inviting or God might bring into your life that you might invite. Think of a specific person that you would possibly invite to City Life Church. You know, maybe there would just be a certain re- receptivity they would ask about church or they would, they would be in just in a really hard time and you'd think, oh, this is the perfect kind of thing that our church is good at. Uh, I'd love them to come along. So think, you got a person in your mind? Then picture yourself having lunch with them afterwards, which is what you should do. If you invite someone, just by the way, and aside, and take them out for lunch afterwards. It's a no-brainer. Okay. So you're sitting over lunch afterwards, and, um, and what are you hoping their reaction is? I like the music. The people weren't weird. Um, I don't know, like, what do you think? I, I, I almost, those are some of the things, right, that I got to admit, you know, the, the, um, the music was good, I wasn't weirded out by anything, uh, I wasn't offended, it seemed kind of like a cool place, I like the art on the walls. What are you hoping that they'll say? In a sense, we sort of check ourselves and say, is the, is, is the thought ever on your mind? I met Jesus this morning. That was amazing. 
I really had this incredible sense that Jesus was there in that meeting, in that group, in that worship service. I don't know, is that a part of your, you know, your grid? Um, if you look at church taglines, like there was that billboard with the one, if you, you look at more of those, someone looked in a, in a phone book in the yellow pages and, and looked at like 35 or 40 different taglines. For those of you who are really young, the, a phone book is... Um, it's like if you, it's the size of like four laptops stacked on top of each other. And, um, it's, and you have to, you can't, you have to get numbers out of it to call and you can't talk to the book itself. You have to flip through and so that's what a phone book is. So someone went into the phone book, got all these taglines and they, and, and if you read them, they go like this. I mean, I'll just give you, I'm not going to read all 35 or 40 of them. A growing church serving a growing community. Um... 21st century church, come see our new building. Um, in the city, oh no, I'm sorry, sorry. In the heart of the city, with the city at heart. Isn't that good? That's, that's got a good ring to it. Reproducing authentic Christianity. Um, I didn't anticipate you laughing at that one. That's really, I want to talk about why you laughed. Okay. Um, Biblically-based, family-oriented, dynamic fellowship. If you read through these, actually, of the, like, 35 that this guy found, only about five or six included anything about God or Jesus. Now, I don't... Okay, I'm not one of these preachers. I'm not railing against people, random people in the yellow pages. I don't, I don't care what your tagline is. I find it informative, though, and I find that it connects with my own level of expectation of God and Jesus being present and showing up. When we get together, you, I'm embarrassed by the number of times, embarrassed is a strong word, but if, if I could tell you the number of times someone has asked me, why, do you, why did you start this church, or why are you going to start City Life Church, you know, back in the day, all the times I've been asked that, and there's probably, for each person, there's 10 more people who've wanted to ask that, but it's a, it's a tough topic, and for the number of times that I have answered that without mentioning Jesus, it's amazing, and I think... Where's my expectations? You know, I, the, the city needs a church that's safe to explore faith. That sounds, I buy that, that's good. We need a place for people who are in process. We need a place where people can be broken and messy and um, find the gospel. So, I'm, I mean, I'm just throwing myself in all of this. And I think, we, I think if we raised our expectations, if we turned up the volume on our anticipation of Jesus being present, like he says he will. I mean, you don't have to do anything to make it happen. He will, do, he will be here. Then I think we would have a lot more, you know, people saying things like, I'm getting to know Jesus better. And we would just hear that. You would hear these kinds of things. Jesus is changing me through the Holy Spirit. I love Jesus more because of my church. At church, Jesus seems so real. I like this church because Jesus is humbling me and humbling my heart through his people. My church is consistently reminding me of what Jesus has done to have a relationship with me. I want to answer when someone asks me, why did you start, why did you do this crazy thing of starting a church? Why would you do that? That's so weird. If someone asks me that, I want my answer to be, because Jesus is real, and I think it'd be really cool if a whole bunch more Sacramentans knew that. 
And he's so real that I've experienced him, and he's in me, and he works through me. Wow, I don't know if I have the guts to say that to my neighbor. (laughs) Well, what's your expectation level? And I think if it's high, you'll be opening yourself up to more opportunities, to be, as this passage says, to be with other people, setting our minds and hearts in the same direction. When's the last time you availed yourself of prayer opportunities or chances to be with other people at City Life Church? Is it a priority? Do you know that Jesus is going to be there and he's going to be more in your life and in yourself and he's going to live through you the more you open yourself up to those things? To the 930 prayer before the service, to the prayer we offer up front after the service, to um, just asking other people you know who believe to pray for you or pray with you about things that are going on in your life? When's the last time you had a crisis or a trouble and you went to other people who were trying to follow Jesus and you asked for them to pray and lift this up together? So you start to think, where's my expectation level? How am I doing on that? Um, when, when the early church was struggling with getting together and how their meetings went, and it's different all over the world throughout all times in history how these things work, and we do it one way, and that's just our way. So there are all these questions about it coming up in the church of Corinth, and the Apostle Paul writes this letter we call 1 Corinthians, and he gets to this point where he's sort of summarizing, and what, what kind of thing rises to the surface for him as he's talking about kind of all the chaos of speaking in tongues and prophesying and what's happening in these meetings. A lot of dysfunctional things happening. He boils it down in chapter 14, verse 25, to when a new person is there visiting, at the end of the meeting they would say, surely God is among you. He boils it down to that. What's our expectation? What's our hope? Where's our, where are our minds at? And I think if we, this is a transition for all of us. It's, I mean, it's, a, it's a transition that Jesus articulates as, as something of all of us turning our focus and our minds towards, God, towards Jesus. Jesus does a little trick that would have been just offensive and, and amazingly uh, earth-shattering for his listeners when he said, coming together in my name. And he's tapping into what uh, one theologian, Dale Bruner, says. Um, he's shifting the whole scope of the Jewish faith. By This is his quote. As the ancient people of Israel were to encamp in their families' houses facing the tent of meeting, you know, come together in my name, come towards my face, towards the, the tent of meeting, so now the new people of God with their many families are to face the person of Jesus. Jesus is the one who replaces the old tent of meeting. One greater than the tent is here, he says. The Lord Jesus openly declares his divinity and omnipresence here in the same terms as were applied by the Jews to the Shekinah glory of God. It's a a shocking, rattling transition for all of us to make. Because when you turn your face, which is sort of representative of your whole life, when you turn your whole life to Jesus, you have to turn your face away from a whole bunch of things that you're terrified of turning turning it away from. I have my list, you have your list. And some of you have just been stuck because you can't turn your face and attention away. There's some blockage that maybe you need to bring to others in prayer to get past. And I think, I think in the end, 
We just need more people with more dialed up expectations. I think it looks a lot more like for the, for the future of City Life Church, for what we need to be in this next phase of who we are as a church as we grow and new people come and get integrated as we try to be able to bless the city more. I think it involves a lot more people going to this meeting, coming here and coming to groups and coming to serve projects and coming to pods, coming to these things eager and ready to drink deep of Jesus. That'll make such a huge difference for how this church moves out into the world. And more people who have an instinct, maybe not your first instinct, that's asking a lot, but somewhere in the top few that your instinct would be take this trouble and this difficulty to others and pray together. And that would be happening all the time. I think then we would be moved out into what's next for our church in a way that none of us imagine. As we think about, you know, we're trying to figure out how do we minister to this growing group of kids that's next door as they get into their preteen years and start to think about having a youth group kind of thing and how do you start that in a, really, in a way that can teach these kids as they're growing up about Jesus. I think we hit, hit that out of the park if we have a church that has dialed up expectations about Jesus being present in us. As we figure out, as we move forward towards getting financially stable and independent by more and more people owning the mission financially and pulling the trigger on giving regularly and faithfully to our mission, I think that happens by more of us, not just by, by browbeating financially. I think it happens by people saying, Jesus is here and I want to drink deep and I want to bring everything to Jesus and I want Jesus in me and I want Jesus to flow through me. And then we'll be able to also move into the phase where we're doing more. Eventually, I, my, my vision is that this church would launch other churches in other neighborhoods to bless the city even more. There would be more places where Jesus resides in the city and flows out into efforts like, like bread for the world and local efforts in our city. That's where I think this is all going. And I am not, um, I am not at all unhappy. That's a double negative for you. I am not at all unhappy with where city life is at in that. I am very happy with what God is doing here. I'm very happy that Jesus is here. And here's some comments last week. I didn't even know how this would go. So the question was, why do you like, what do you like about City Life Church? Let me read a few of those. About a dozen came in. I've been a Christian for a long time, but I've never experienced the gospel in a way I experience it through City Life. Gradually, Mark's messages, I promise it's the only time someone complimented me in this, so okay? I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to load it with like, okay. Mark's messages and the, and the love of the congregation are changing my whole way of thinking to a gospel centrality or a gospel mentality. Someone else says, the focus on Jesus Christ, what he does and what it means. Someone else says, the people in this church loved me in my brokenness and gave me a safe place to understand God's grace. Someone else says, the community, the commitment we show to each other and open minds we try to maintain towards everyone. This has given me a place, someone else says, to explore my faith in a non-judgmental environment. Someone else says, I like that you come, can come as you are and that every part of the service points back to Jesus. Are you getting why I'm excited about this church? Because this is what people are saying. Someone says, I can't say enough about how supportive this community has been. It truly saved me. I like that communion is a part of every service. City life offers healing for those who have been wounded by fear and judgment based on doctrine. 
I enjoy the fellowship with other members. I enjoy this church, that this church is small and growing. Someone else says, I like that it's at 10 a.m. I mean, just very logistical, right? The continual and constant message of needing to accept God's grace and live in his grace, that's a message I need to hear often. And then the last one. City life offers me a place to escape the logic of the world and explore the mystery of a loving God in community. Let's pray. God of grace, I pray that you may continue to make stories like this. Um, Write your story into our lives in this church so that you live in us and we flow out with your presence into the world around us. Work through us. Help us to know how to receive you and to be in community together in a way that invites you constantly to be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to say this prayer. It'll be on the screen, and it's an offering prayer. As Jonathan is leading us in an offering, uh, a, a musical offering, baskets come around. It's not a pressure moment if you're new to our church. Just help us by passing around. Maybe drop a contact card in or an answer to the question. Um, but it's also a chance to give to God of what he's given you, which is an act of worship. Let us pray. Merciful Father, we offer with joy and thanksgiving what you have first given us, ourselves, our time, and our possessions, signs of your gracious love. Receive them for the sake of him who offered himself for us. Jesus Christ, our Lord.